The Overrun is coming to Atlantic City, November 16th, the Nationwide Conference on EMS. We'll be presenting on EMS education and new media, talking about how change is here. Register online now. Hey everybody, it's Dan Schwester from the Overrun Podcast. This is Kevin Mazza. And Jess Mastercola. And today we're going to talk about why your con ed sucks. Uh, continuing education, it's a bugaboo of uh, the EMS profession, both uh, EMT level and paramedic. Uh, it's regarded by a lot of people as something that we just have to do or get through to survive. Um, the perceptions are not really positive for a lot of it. And uh, we're going to talk about why and talk about some of maybe the solutions we can uh, bring forward to uh, make your continuing ed a little bit better and a little more knowledge inducing. So, Kevin, you yeah. just had a con ed class. So I did. It why was, don't you uh, tell us about it? It was uh, one of the many alphabet soup courses out there. Um, the long and short of it was it was a course that I found to be very hyped. A lot of people were like, oh, you got to take this, especially as a flight paramedic. It's something I deal with a whole bunch. Um and I, I walked out of the course like sleepy eyed and not feeling like I learned anything. I spent, you know, the better part of my day just in there and And you paid your own dime, right? Oh, absolutely. Of I course paid you did. paid my own dime. Um and I had slides right at me for information that was already old. Information I already knew to be false. And I was I you know, against thankfully I was under caffeinated, be like, That's not what we're doing out in the field now. Why are you teaching this? Uh but I I kind of bit my tongue because I'm not an authority on that. Mm -hmm. So I sat through the course, and at the end of the day, I was like, I'm just collecting my CEUs now. Wow. That's yeah. A, and I, that's disappointing. You're telling me, like, out X amount of dollars for, you know, a day I could have actually went to work and earned money. Right. And and to get stuff that you could have read in a journal or read in a book somewhere and stuff, actually picked up stuff I had already read and picked up in a journal. And I don't know, maybe I'm an exception because I do a lot of reading in my free time, but I feel like these um, associations that put on these courses could be, you know, better than five years behind the curve or at least like what the conversation is. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an, I think that's a good point. I think that's one of the most common complaints that we see about uh, Con Ed is that it's stale. It's the same stuff over and over again. Right. It's uh And, you know, there is something to be said for repetition, you know, creating mastery of a subject. But when it's literally the same stuff. Yeah, it's with minimal change. And Jess just took her initial certifications for some courses as work. And how did you feel that you got out of taking your initial certifications for things like uh, advanced life support and PALS? Um, I think the initial experience I had was a good one. However, I think that the instructors played a big role mm -hmm. in that being a good experience for me because I've taken research classes before and it was just, oh, let's um, drone on and read off the PowerPoint and then you can take a test. The, this was like really engaging. I felt like the instructors actually made this it. Was, sorry, this was your first time taking ACLS at a nurse level, correct? Yes. Okay. First time taking it at a nurse level. I've taken it before as BLS just to have it. Um, but taking it at a nurse level and having that much more education behind 
me going into this class actually made the class that much better hmm. for me at so, least. So so like we have two. So we have, so this is interesting. We have two uh, two clinicians. Uh, both at an advanced level. Both of you took what we call on this show, we, t- we call the alphabet soup classes. These are the ones that everybody's got to take pretty much every two or three years to maintain a certification so that you can operate in the field. Job requirement. Yeah, some of them are job mm-hmm. requirements. Some of them are, listen, you're not supposed, you don't need to have this for your, for your license, but we want you to have it anyway. Um, but two different, two divergent ideas here. You had one where, you know, Kevin, your experience was pretty negative. Right. Um, Jess, yours was pretty positive. And it seems like the human factor here is the difference. I feel like it's a big part of it. I would yeah. I would agree. It's um, the material. So. It's not so much the material. I think I think it goes I think it's a little to be honest, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Well, the one you went to, was it a large class? Like did it have a lot of students tw- in uh, it? twenty five people. That's most. it? That's it. Okay, because I feel like um Sometimes when you have a smaller group too, it helps because it's a little more intimate. But I guess I, maybe that's not the case because you it was, didn't uh, have a great experience, regardless of how I many think, students. So I know, like you going through like ACLS your first time, it was all new to you. And I remember when well, I went through, it wasn't through, new to me. I've taken it before, right? But with your knowledge base as a nurse, I right. think it was a little different because th- you it, understood the concepts yeah. a little bit better. The first time I took ACLS as a medic intern. I was blown away. I was like, oh my, I felt like I could, I'm ready. Like, you know, I, I passed, <laughs> I did it. And then every subsequent oh, time. how wrong you were. <laughs> uh, every, yes. Every subsequent time I've taken it, I felt like it gets trotted out by the instructors and they're like, well, you're here again for your research. And I'm just like, I don't, there's no excitement. It's a chore to go to. Hmm. It's a day that you have to take away from doing something else because you have to go and sit through a class to earn CEUs to maintain your certification. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think so maybe just, you they didn't feel did. that way. I didn't feel that way. I think they did a better job of splitting up the class. Like there were people in my class who had taken it before and this was their research. Mm -hmm. So when we went and did like the practical learning where it was more one-on-one, it was like five of us to one instructor. They had all of the newer people go in one group. That way we were all on the same page. And then they had the people who were experienced go in another group. And I think it was beneficial to both of us because I think overall it seemed like everyone had a really good experience like i didn't see anyone that looked annoyed to be there i didn't see anyone that was like getting in like that includes people who were or have already taken this before mm-hmm. so all right so i wasn't in a class with just new people i was in a class with people who were researching so as well i think what dan was getting at the x factor here being the people presenting the yeah. course or your instructors yeah correct me if i'm wrong danny no i i think that's i think that's where, where your conversation i was letting you 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 two go I think that's the issue here. Here's the X factor. How the material is presented actually matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have people in instructors roles that don't get that. That it's not just reading a a slide off a PowerPoint. It's, It's engaging. It's believing in the material and knowing the material to the point where you can present without looking at that slide. Right. You know? And then actually knowing the material well enough to answer questions about it from your students. Because, right. you know, we had a couple people raise their hands and say, hey, like, why is that, though? And that material wasn't presented in, like, the provided material. That, was, that came from my instructor. And my instructor said, well, in my experience, X, Y, and Z has worked. But X, you know, ABC also works, too. It's 
sometimes provider discretion. This isn't set in stone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important part is reminding your students that nothing is set in stone. Nothing is black and white. These are guidelines. Not in medicine, no. Not in medicine. So I think that was a very good experience for me. Right. And it sounds like the experience you had was they read off a PowerPoint. Indeed. And they said, no, this is how it is. I'll even take it one step further. They not only read off a PowerPoint, but then would subsidize um, subsidize what they were saying with like a war story. And this oh. isn't this isn't the recent course I took because they just read off slides and didn't do any of that. There was nothing interesting about what was going on. Uh, but going through other courses, it's either just they read off the slide and they'll be like, huh, I remember this one time, blah, 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 but we still had this drug that we don't teach you to use anymore. And that definitely worked, right? Dan Bertillium, you give a pulse to a stone. <laughs> and I had yeah. instructors tell me that for the Does past, it? well, how long have I been a paramedic now? I've, I think I've researched ACLS. I've a four cla- ACLS class I've at least sat through, and that's come up in three of them. My most recent one, no. But, but up until two years ago, they were still telling me about drugs they used to give that haven't been in the guidelines for probably a decade. See, yeah, my instructors did not do that. I'm going to take it with you next time. And the only, quote, <laughs> war story I had wasn't even a war story. It was a relevant um, story that one of the instructors gave, and he said, this is the drug we used to have, and this is why it's good that we have continuing education, why we have evidence-based practice, because I gave this drug 20 years ago, and now look at now, like look at today, this the drug we have now works better, and we don't cause X, Y, and Z to our patients that's, from that's old That's less drug. a war story versus like... An a, example of why it's good to update your practice. That's, exactly. That's him mm-hmm. taking, or her, taking his or her experience and applying, like, listen, this is what we used to do. I thought it worked great evidence has shown that this works better and this is why we practice it now yeah. according to this association so let's let's group. let's deep dive in this what what let's take your your con ed course what makes a good con ed course so let's start with the instructor um an instructor who isn't just somebody who has enough experience or education to be oh yeah you you're good enough to teach this course yeah i think because if that was the case, then all of the instructors would be as old as possible, right? Like, I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> like, the instructor that is effective for me is an instructor that is able to present you the important material that you need to hear. And then after he presents said material, is able to engage you with that material and say, hey, so tell me what you would do in this scenario. And he comes up with scenarios that aren't just out of the book cookie cutter scenarios. And when you say something that isn't right, he doesn't make you feel stupid. He says, okay, I see where you're coming from. I see why you came up with that answer. But let's take a step back, go through this algorithm and see if you come up with a different answer now that you use the algorithm I just taught you. The fact that he even asked you what your method of thinking was and be like, okay, I can see where you're going with that, but here's why we do it this way. So he'd be like, no, you're wrong. That's not right. Like I remember when I first took, well, I'm going to use ACLS. I used to get a, a Denosine and Amiodarone. Sorry, American you know, Heart Association. Don't I, sue I, us. I'm we, just, we actually like you. Oh, actually, no, I love hmm? them. They're doing a. I've honestly, ACLS is with what the information they've collected. Is, they're doing a fantastic job. They're catching yeah. up to where they should be, and I, and I commend I think them for despite, it. Despite, I mean, obviously, any textbook or any class is going to be behind, but they do a really good job of trying to stay on top of the current. Yeah. F- medicine so and science i'd agree with that yeah so they the point, do a decent the, job the, the point i was making going back to my initial certification was i used to confuse adenocard and amiodarone all the time i still do 
Or I should say, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I done a card in atropine all the yeah. time. We, would, we didn't have amio yet. So I right. confuse atropine and amio all the time. Right. And instead of my instructor, we were like, hey, here's a way you can remember the difference and here's what they do. And this maybe you can like incorporate it. It's like, no, that's wrong. This is the drug you gave. You got to not do that. So, yeah. So when I was confusing it, my instructor <laughs> said, okay, think about it this way. And I can't remember off the top of my head the way he worded it, but he kind of took the way atropine sounded. And he's like, well, atrophy atropine think about it this way and he huh. made it like because for me i can't memorize it has to make sense and he's like well it kind of sounds like atrophy and you don't want something to atrophy so you use it for this and it was just kind of a nice little tidbit hmm. like something that even if it's not even I mean? completely relevant it made you think about it, it a different did. way and it's it stuck with right. you which is what's so instructor really expertise matters and right. it's yeah. not one year of experience you that's know, multiplied 35 times. Right. Exactly. It's somebody what you that's just actually said. operated in the environment has had practical experience. Expertise versus experience are two very different things. Yeah. Expertise is experience is just doing it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you had to like it. It doesn't, it's just like I've worked a lot of cardiac arrest. So I hate cardiac arrest, but I, I have a lot of experience. Expertise would be, I actively engage in perfecting my ability during cardiac arrest. I'm very interested. I read up on it. Expertise is something you want to gain. Experience is something you gain just by showing up and participating, just kind of being there. I would agree with that. I think that's that's an important delineation to make. So you want people with expertise who want to teach. They want to, you know... Um, who can communicate their and, and share that information. I would take a poor communicator with somebody who's just passionate about it. Like somebody who's not very good at getting themselves across, but you can tell they're excited to be there or excited to, to get this information to you. Okay. They're excited about... I would prefer that over the most charismatic person, you know, who doesn't really want to be there but can tell a good joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I'd rather... So if the instructor acts like this is important and the instructor presents the image that what they're doing is important and this matters and you shouldn't, you should get behind it. That's going to make all the difference in the world. And that's, that's the difference between the course you took where you didn't see that and just the course you took where you did see that. Yeah. Yeah. I want my instructors to want to be there. I want them to want to teach it to me. I want them to be passionate about it. I could, you know, based on my experience, I could probably just go take the, you know, an instructor course and go and instruct if I don't. But if I don't care about, you know, teaching pediatric advanced life support, that's a really good point. And if you don't care about the students coming in to learn it, like you have to care. You want to about each student, like not everyone learns the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You have to be willing to work with everyone, not just. Well, that's, that's an important thing, too. Does an instructor course make you an instructor? No. It, I mean, there's, it, it there's a lot of alphabet soup courses that look at it as, hey, you took the instructor course. Here you go. Go teach the class. I've taken instructor courses before. And they so and I know you've obviously been a, a course instructor yourself, Danny. Um, I took a course for instruction and it felt like so kind of like refresh me on material real quick. And I was like, all right, here's how you can teach it to your students rather than. But even the people teaching me didn't feel like they really cared about it. And I think the problem we have with instructorship is people who are experienced and they have enough experience like, hey, I can earn another buck doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of like, okay. this is an easy paycheck. It breaks up like, you know, grinding it out on the truck every day or grinding it out on the ED every day. Change a core, a change of pace. Okay, money. Don't have to do it too often. And you know, there isn't a lot of material to keep up on because a lot of these update every five years. 
That's that's a pretty provocative statement. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way it's done. I don't like the way we run it. I don't like the culture behind it. I don't like the mindset of most instructors. I'm kind of bitter about the whole thing because I'm like an education junkie. And I go into courses, especially ones that I don't have to take my research very seriously. And I want to walk out like, hey, I feel ready to perform this procedure, mm-hmm. this to experience this patient I just learned about and treat them effectively in, in the most beneficial way possible. So what do you think about courses that look that don't do that, that don't offer an instructor uh, certification, but they operate on an expert instructor model where like you basically get tapped on the shoulder and somebody sees you in a class and says, uh, for example, like ATLS does this. You show real promise in the class and they can kind of bring you into the instructor level. Does that... It depends on how they sell it to you. If they're okay. selling to you like, hey, you're really good at this. You want to teach and make an extra buck? Or like, hey, do you like... Like, you're really into this. Do you have any interest in teaching? Like, or would you want to pass this on? Like, mm-hmm. you're... Okay. Like, uh, having experience is great. And then developing expertise based off of experience is another thing. But I feel like you can develop expertise by being invested in something. Absolutely. I can develop expertise on ACLS if I was given a couple of months in a book and some research articles and I wanted to learn it. And I could be better at it than someone who's taken ACLS 20 times. Well, yeah, there's people who ha- there's people who pr- who study astrobiology. Their, yeah. ex- their expertise, they have z- you can have experience in astrobiology because we haven't discovered life beyond our planet right. yet. But they're they're the people with expertise through learning mm-hmm. and wanting to learn and choosing that and wanting to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think want and motivation are the biggest things to go into a good instructor. Right, not someone who's there to like imagine this podcast if the three of us weren't passionate about like spreading education oh, we and do this. knowledge. Like uh, imagine how dull this. <laughs> yeah, could you? Hi, hi guys, we're here again, again, and we're gonna uh, talk. About continuing right, we're education. Gonna, we're going to try to just bang this out as quickly <laughs> as we Here, can and get right, you done you on go. time. Jess, that's a really amazing point because imagine if your instructors were people who weren't getting compensated for it. Like, we're, we're, we don't get paid to do this. We do this on our own volition because it's a passion I'm, project. I'm sorry. You want, yeah. instru- no, I, you want instructors who'd be willing to do it for free because that's how bad they want to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I remember. The money shouldn't be the goal. No. Right. The money should be the, the wow, that's I get to do all this and I get paid. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about my like, job now. Yeah. I teach, yeah. there's a course that I teach that I have an instructor status in that it really is a passion project. It is the it is something that I truly believe in. I love teaching the class. I, you know, when I got brought into teaching it, it was like they gave me a subject and they're like, you're going to be a subject matter expert in this area. This is going to be your baby. And I deep dove into everything and I just, I, I took it and I just, I love it. You know, um, I think there's, there's a validity to that, you know, as a matter, you know, yeah. of like, wow, really get into this and understand it and, and be able to, to speak to it with that expertise and with some passion. I think that's got a lot to do with whether the class is going to be fulfilling or not for yeah. the instructor and the student. So yeah. I... Yeah, and then just based off that, like, I want to get into instructorship myself. Like, I want to teach. I want to pass on. I think all of us here. Yeah, I think we I all think every I think single one do. of us in some way, shape, or form wants to teach something. Right. So when, like, a chance yeah. for a preceptorship opening comes up, I'm going to apply for that. I'm going to, over the next year, work on getting my instructorship because, in my opinion, like, I think it's a, not just the instructors, I think it's a cultural problem because, especially when you, when your own um, company, hospital, 
your own shop puts on these courses, it feels like, hey, you're here. You got to do this. We know the you're, you know, this hospital demands you do this course every two years to maintain your certification. So we're just going to roll out the video. You guys are going to watch the video, and then we're all going to take a test. I'm going to wander out of the room while you take the test. Wink, yep. wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Pretty much. <laughs> and Yeah, that's and, and that's, you know, that comes into so many ethical issues. Oh, never mind the ethics of it. It's just pure laziness. Right. Which is an ethical issue. <laughs> well, laziness laziness and ethics are, are different. But, but yeah, I agree. I think that's just a terrible way to do it. And the first thing you do is, like, you know, you, you get into a class and that's what you hear. It's like, oh. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, have your instructors come in and grill students and yank certifications if they can't pass the course. Oh, God, no. Well, I mean, that, which, yeah, the the other part. Part of me kind of wants it to happen. To I some, mean. Though. But it should be, like, when you go to a conference. Like, you know. We went to the MCR conference yeah. a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I've been to Germany and I went to some of the other conferences around the country. And the thing that you take from it is that when you're there presenting, it's like these people are excited to be there. They're genuinely happy to be there. They they are engaged. They're engaging. They want to share the information with mm-hmm. you. And I think for instructors, I think if you're not doing that, you're going to give a bad experience. I agree wholeheartedly after seeing it. I'm being like, man, they like I was captivated just by their passion. Yeah. They loved it. I like they love we, this. You stuff. and I stood up in the back because we got there late because of traffic. And we're uh, when they started speaking, <laughs> we stood there and just listened. And there wasn't like any magical like information that because we'd read about a lot of this before but the way they were presenting it because they were so into it and they were so excited to share this information with a room full of young residents and paramedics and nurses and whoever else elected shows like that that's what caught my attention that's what gripped me at no mm-hmm. point was i standing there like oh like starting to sl- sleep on my feet like i sit through a um a, a recertification or a alphabet soup course i'm like it's a struggle to stay awake mm-hmm. yeah you know i know people who go drink during the lunch break with yeah. good reason. Oh boy, I, that's I, another problem. I think that's it's another issue. and it sucks that you've had that experience because my experience taking ACLS was such a great experience, and I kind of wish you were at that class with me. And maybe you wouldn't. I don't know if you necessarily would have learned anything new, but I think the experience of saying, "Oh, like we reinforced this," and the the instructors were supportive, and they the way they taught the new people like who had never taken this and seeing these people be like, aha, like that makes so much sense now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that would have been good for you. I think just seeing other people learn it and going, wow, this is a great class and I'm actually learning. I think, uh, but I also think it seems like your instructors were way more engaged with the class. They were very engaged. So I feel like I would also feel more confident asking a question like, hey, so. And they were friendly. They were like, you know, they had smiles on their faces. They, they, in the morning on the first day, they said they all introduced themselves. They said, hey, like, we want to make this the best experience we can. Like, I know some of you, you know, have already taken this before. And our goal is if if not learn anything new, we want to reinforce something you already know. Oh, clearly your shop's doing something right because that's... Maybe that end of my shop, sure. Yeah, definitely. So, you I know, I, I think there's, you know, every place has yeah. got their issues. But I think the education part of where I am is amazing and i've had such good experiences with it so far right which is great let's talk about what what can we do to affect change and make these courses less i think i I think the first thing is is like people like you two need to get in to teach yeah 
The yeah, next I think step is people excited about people teaching need to who be are teaching. excited about sharing information need to be educators. But how do we also make the people that have to go to these classes excited about the class? Well, I don't because well, it how you could be the most excited instructor on the face of this earth, and if you have a giant class of thirty people who are like, "Oh, this fucking sucks," uh, yeah, like that sucks. You Teaching as- people like that is awful. It does. When suck. you when you go to a course that you have to take and uh, the material's only updated like every 5 years, you sit through it every 2. Yeah, it's, it's you just rough. like I already know this already and their new guidelines aren't due until next year, so you just kind of sit there and roll your eyes just right. to get through it. I think maybe so I think that's, that's where part of I the think problem, that's where right? as an instructor this is where your mastery and that expertise mm-hmm. comes in like if I'm teaching a class like like Kevin says where every 5 years I know the updates come up. And I've got an experienced group, okay? I'm going to sit there and go, okay, so here's the material, but I'm going to go off here for a second. Let's talk about this, or let's talk about a new controversy that's come up. And I'll introduce that into the program. Like, listen, I know we're kind of going off the off outside the box here, but let's talk about this. This is something that's potential. This mm-hmm. is something that you might see. And that's here's, engaging. And I would love that. And here's a situation engaging. where in the future, this is where they're going to go with this. Yeah. Um, I, I think, also like that some of our instructors, after we did like the first set of practical stuff where we split mm-hmm. off into groups, when we came back as a full class, they said, what do we want to focus on for the rest of the day? What do you need more reinforcement on? As opposed okay. to just going, oh, so, let's go through so everything and take the same amount of time and everything. Good. So what we're finding out is the good continuing ed has instructors who are passionate, who engage themselves with the students, who show that they're really interested in the material they're presenting. They have mastery of that material, not just to the point where they read off of a slide, but they can sit there in front of a class with nothing in front of them, with no presentations, like the AV could go down and they could get up on a whiteboard and basically teach a class. That's what I want. I don't want yeah. I don't want them to have the book. I don't want them to have if if PowerPoint should not exist in It was a nice concept when it first came out. No, it's it was. PowerPoint's totally fine in terms of in terms But it's it's way overutilized. In, in our continuing education, it should be outlawed other than initial <laughs> certifications. <laughs> I hate it. It is it is the brain grenade. That goes off in your well, brain. You're shocked. How many people actually learn from staring at a screen and reading something, as I, opposed to having a conversation about? I something? see. I can learn that way, and oh, I think I'm an that, outlier. Well, bless your soul. I think I'm an outlier. <laughs> That's how I got through chemistry in college. That's amazing. I'm, I'm lucky that way, I guess. Uh, but I, most people in my class, I like look around, like I'm like, all right, well, I'm reading the slides, and you know, and then everyone's like in their phones. So let's, okay, sleeping. so let's let's break down PowerPoint. Okay, let's and, destroy and, it. Well, I think it. Here, I'm going to go from the other side. I'm going to say that I think it's a, ma- a very malign thing because we've expected it to do too much. We've yeah, expected it's a, it's it to replace it's a tool, not the instructor. The instructor. I think that's totally valid. Yeah, and I think, like what I would like to see on a PowerPoint. And screen, if you see, like, listen, and and well, right. uh, like just to go with this before I, I'm sorry, okay. like I've been to programs where PowerPoint is used, and pretty much it's used universally. But I have been to places where it is literally bullet point, bullet point, oh bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And then I've been to places where it's a picture mm-hmm. or it's a single word on a screen that reinforces a concept or it's a video or it's something that just jogs you and grabs you and says, wow, we got to do that. You know, 
I really like the school of thought where your PowerPoint slides should have less than 10 words. Yeah. They should not all look the same. Um, you should use pictures. You should use anything but words on the on the screen to kind of reinforce your your points. And I think in that case, PowerPoint is a tool that can be used for good, that can be used for evil. Yeah. If you use it I as agree. a crutch, if you're using it as what it is, which is basically a visual aid to put things up on a screen to reinforce what you're teaching, you're doing good. Yeah. If like, you're, I would if like you're to putting see... it up to read off of a 300-slide uh, presentation, uh, you're torturing mm. people. And, I, and I've taught, yeah, listen. people stop paying attention about 10 slides in. I'm going right. to say that. And the other thing about it is, I want to, and this is going out to the manufacturers and the publishers of all this material, stop putting out canned slides. Also, stop. Do us a favor. Don't put, do yeah. it. And when you put out your actual, like, you know, hard covered or like binded material, like the little booklets that they give out for like CPR, mm-hmm. like BLS. Right. Stop putting random filler in. Make it to the point. Just make it to the point because then it's easier to read. Right. And and the That's, EMT class is a perfect like, stop example. Stop fluffing of this. it up. I mean, I I've been an EMT instructor. I'm in the process of regaining my certification. Um, the EMT slides by a general rule or most canned slides that come from any publisher are garbage we unfortunately we all use them because people are afraid to deviate and there are people that as that as instructors are afraid to innovate their own slide packages and you know i i remember teaching a lecture and it was like you know it's like chest injuries like 300 slides what of which a hundred of them say reassess and take to a trauma center and i'm like oh, i'm having I, like flashbacks my, to medic school my lectures <laughs> literally when i do these things like i i went to a class where they were like okay i need you to teach a class and i have to admit you know I, i'm sorry i didn't prep you know i didn't do the prep i should have i should have come in with my own stuff but it was a short notice thing and I just jumped in. They're like, oh, we just use these slides. Here's your slides are all ready. And I looked and they were all bullet points and it was all bull- bullshit. And I'm like, you don't need that. That's garbage. Click to this. Okay, here's the three important points you need to get from this. One, two, three. Let's talk about them. Okay, moving on. That's archaic. Don't talk about that. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, everybody good? Any questions? Good. Good night. And. You know, it's one thing because it shows that you know the material, but at the same time, it's like and it's, it kind of makes you angry as a student. Like, well, why is it up there in the first place? Right? Why mm-hmm. is it up there? And it and it shows kind of that 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 effective like, well, well, why is it up there? And he's saying it's not important. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I would like to ask the manufacturers just to stop providing slides. Yeah. If you're an instructor, and if you're an instructor, and if you're going to provide slides, make them very bare bones so we can add to it, as opposed correct. to have to take stuff out. I just no, I like Dan's idea. Don't don't give anything. I know, but there are people like maybe organizations cool, are weird about stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think again, I think that's or, or give me a blank lazy. slide deck. Mm. I, I think just give me a blank template and say, yeah. okay, put in the stuff that meets this. Or like here, here's some here's some blank slides with some headers on there. Like here, here's some stuff you should probably cover. Like all right, here's. You know, narrow tachydysrhythmias. Here's wide complex tachydysrhythmias. You know, like, that, and that you I can put love. in whatever you want in there, but like, we'll right. give you a little bit of structure in case Empower, you're just not that I creative. Think, I think when you you don't empower instructors to develop their own material, what you do is you reinforce that all you are is a slide reader. Yeah. So go up there and read the slides. And we know that's the cardinal sin of Con Ed. 
Oh yeah, that's like wearing a. That's the cardinal sin of any education institute. That's like that's like wearing the t-shirt the band you're going to see. <sighs> you just don't do it. I which I never knew <laughs> by okay? the way. Sorry, Danny, didn't see you drinking that's when I an, said that's that. That's new Got knowledge it. for me. So <laughs> I've been better. bad my whole life. Sorry, guys. PCU, um, <laughs> very underrated movie. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I. I just I would love to see. I would love to see people just be excited to go to the classes in general. And the reason they're not is just like you guys said, something that gets updated every five years, you're required to go every two. So why are we required to go every two? Why not do it where instead of going every two, you know, every two years, you have to do like a short little thing to see if you remember the basic stuff. If you didn't remember it, then you go to it. Yeah. Like why force someone? And uh, I know it's not. That's well, more because, because governing you have to body. Have the right numbers to plug into the Ugh, right spot so you can get your license again. Because you know, oh otherwise, how do we know that you're keeping current this in your is, profession? This is more of that lowest common denominator bullshit that drives me and insane. And it happens even in nursing. It's, yeah, no, it's and, so oh, bad. It happens in nursing it probably happens. more so than it happens yeah, in it EMS does. because outside of like your realm of the emergency department, could you imagine like the the con ed that uh, like a floor nurse has to go through? Like, hey, here's how you use this pump. Do you remember? Um, yeah, I use it every damn day. Of yeah. course I remember. Here's how to wash your hands. <laughs> so going Here's that's how to put on a mask. But, so I mm-hmm. think in order to get rid of this whole lowest common denominator mentality that we have throughout our culture, and it, it'll start with education, let's stop teaching ACLS beyond the initial certification. Or maybe for someone like me, who I am the kind of person who needs, fre- not frequent, but semi-frequent updates and reminders on protocols that I don't use often, I'm the kind of person that every two years I would say, yeah, I'm more than willing to go to ACLS. Well, no. So here's my here's my point going to that. So you you certified ACLS. You work in emergency department, correct? Yeah. Doesn't mean I use it. <laughs> I'm serious. It doesn't mean I use it. Oh, all right. Well, then whatever. So I'm going to look at Danny now because yeah, uh, he's going to agree okay, with me. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that so ACLS gonna- is great in theory. However, however, every single nurse in my hospital takes ACLS. So the floor nurses take it, the tri- like the 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 crisis center nurses take it. So it's not like it's a specialized thing where only critical care nurses okay, take so, it. Okay, so so and uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Even as an ED nurse, I don't actually use ACLS very often because there are ten other nurses in the room when someone comes in critical and. All of them want to be in charge. And then there's the doctor in the room. So I actually haven't stood up there and used my own brain and said, what were the ACLS protocols again? Because someone else takes over. I think uh, that may be and a problem with I your think, Okay, so that's, no, that's, no, no, a, no, problem that's a problem with your shop. That's a problem in most, like most EDs. Okay. Most EDs. For medics, it's just the two of you. So you get to exercise your ACLS brain, all right? You get to use mm-hmm. the knowledge. A lot of nurses don't actually get to use the knowledge. Okay. And I'm being serious. So I think nurses really need to be taking ACLS and then allowed to use it. <laughs> like, why make me take it if I'm not allowed to use it? That's a good point. And I think, well, I think going to your point, I think they shouldn't teach ace, the same ACLS nurses that teach the paramedics. Yeah, and that's that was actually my other question. Well, why am I learning? Uh, okay, so the same. All right, exact so full disclosure, I, I I'm an AC, I, I'm an AHA instructor, and that doesn't mean you know, coordinator, all that stuff, but here's the deal the whole idea of and i'm not paying listen american heart association we're not picking on you it's just this is where it's going but they've also solved the problem okay 
these courses are designed for certain types of people. Okay, your initial class is designed is a two day, and this is where the AHA puts it out is that it's designed as a two day class, um, or most of the most of your con ed, it's designed as a two day initial class because they teach you all the concepts. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not designed for per for clinicians who have done this before. No, it's what not. Clini- if you've done this before, that's where these pro- these programs offer a a research a class. research class or However, a refresher class. Now, places, there's other places, and and some of these programs also offer a uh, experienced provider class or expert provider mm. class or expert clinician class that goes really deeper into science and deeper into the the thought process. And I think if, you know, if you're, it, that's where your experienced people need to be funneled. And I agree with that. But how many places do you know that say, well, the research class is three hours and the initial class is four. We might as well just only offer the initial and then make everyone go that's to good it. good point. Also, when it comes down to continuing ed, which is another problem is we're chasing numbers. We're not chasing experiences. That's right. So... If I, you know, for, all right, in my state, you need 48 hours of continuing education, okay, as a paramedic to recertify. You have to have one in each of five different areas, Mm -hmm. you know, ABC, medical emergencies, trauma, pediatrics, and operational. So there are people that go out and seek varying ideas and go to conferences and and get get a big... You know, get this big basis of knowledge and do a lot of hours. There's also people that know that if they take a two-day class from this program, if they take a two-day class from this program, they take a two-day class of another alphabet soup program, and they do a couple other things, they're done. Right. They don't have to do anything, no muss, no fuss. They know the numbers match up, and they know this, that their licensing agency is going to be fine with that. Mm-hmm. That's also part of the problem. Yeah. Because, you know, the the incentive is to chase the number, not the not the education. Yeah. But to do that, you have to figure out how do we how do we fix that? I, I don't know that there's an easy answer for that. Yeah, because I don't think there I is. I mean, look, you know, I could sit there and say, well, you know, I, I get 60 hours a year just reading, you know, listening to podcasts. So you should give me 120 credit hours. It's. Eh, not so much. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a happy medium. Um, but I do think that's a concern, too, because I think the 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 ability of a clinician to find a good experience is tempered by the, oh, I need X number of hours in this subject, so I'm just going to take this and I'm going to punch the ticket and move on. Mm-hmm. And I think that contributes to it because then the student walks in and they're kind of apathetic because I've done this five times on board. The instructor sees that and maybe they feed off and say, well, well, what the hell? I'm not pushing it today. And the next thing you know, they're asking, how soon can we get out of here? And, you know, when are we done? That's a whole other thing. How often do these courses go there full time? Like, oh, you're out by noon? Oh, okay. They should. You know, technically, it should go hour for hour. And if it's licensing, it should go hour for hour. And if, Mm -hmm. you know, not for nothing, if you're taking an eight-hour class and you're getting done in two and a half hours, you are not really following the rules, folks. 
And if it's audited or somebody says something, that can be an issue. So think about when you take one of these eight-hour courses, you get it done in two because they covered all the material. Just going back to my point before Jess um, mentioned the, her ACLS being broad across the entire hospital that everyone has to take it. I don't think, at least especially at the paramedical level or even the ER nurse level, after your initial certification of ACLS specifically, you know, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't be eligible to, short of letting it lapse, taking the eight-hour initial course again for hours. Sixteen hour. Sixteen, whatever. It's six, yeah. It that's doesn't how, matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's an eight-hour. It's an eight-hour. Yeah, hour I, I think there's a validity to that. I think you should. I think the initial course should be for the people who taking for the first time because. They need the most support. They need yeah. the most intensive you can, supervision. People who have done it before should basically breeze through the refresher part. And if it's something where, like you said, like emergency practitioners, um, pre-hospital people who do resuscitation on a regular basis, you should be going to the experience class. Either going to the, Absolutely. Either going to the experience class or we're in uh, Jess's shop. You can have the eight-hour course for people who don't do ACLs every day. Your floor nurses, your psych unit nurses, whatever. They have the initial certification. They can go sit through the eight hours of refresher because it's new material to them. For people like you, for people like the three of us who experience ACLS, maybe you don't practice it, but you're technically but I, in those situations. Yeah, so I get to see it. You're, I don't necessarily get to practice it you're, personally. You're involved in it. Yeah. Because and they do their own version of it there. But my point yeah, being... <laughs> your your ongoing ACLS like should be covered in your quarterly or annual competencies at your shop because you do it every day, day in and day out. You know, you deal with cardiac patients every single shift. You deal with cardiac arrests. You I know, think every there's a point day. to that. And and I and you know, again, we're not we're using ACLS as an example, but we're not picking on them, and, and we're not we're not dumping on the AHA because I think out of all the governing bodies, I think they're probably the most cognizant of what program is tailored to what population they're looking to do. Right. I pick them because that course is taken, as Jess said, by everybody in her hospital. Yeah. It's okay. taken by every paramedic I know. It's even taken by some EMTs I know. I, I just know. don't want them getting annoyed with us. It's We're okay. a new podcast. No, <laughs> I'm not worried <laughs> about that. So going back to my original point was instead of letting paramedics and maybe like ER nurses get away with getting eight hours of it, force them to get that eight hours someplace else for something they haven't experienced yet that might be relevant to them. Yeah. Maybe offer some more courses. Maybe they need advanced stroke life support or advanced medical life support or advanced that's a good, burn life that's support. That's a good point. Make them go get those CEUs elsewhere for something or they haven't maybe, experienced maybe yet or something say, they don't listen, practice off Maybe of, we just say, see. listen, as a paramedic clinician in this state, if it was the state of Daniela, Daniela or whatever you want to call it or Daniel World or whatever. <laughs> you have to have to be a licensed paramedic in this state. You have to have a valid you have to have valid certifications in these disciplines. OK. On top of that, you need to show proof that you're attending X hours of training per year. Now, that training can be whatever you want it to be, but you still have to show it. Yeah. And I think um, maybe that's where we need to go, because that so. would bring that variety and it would seek it would have people seek out their passions. Maybe they would be interested in something that that is in medicine that, you know, and I'm not saying that it has to be in your scope of practice, per se. I mean, there are things that you can get from almost anything. I mean, we went to a critical care and emergency medicine con. Uh, was, conference yeah, clearly we geared more towards ER physicians, way geared towards ICU docs, 
But we were like, wow, that's cool. We could talk about that. Or, wow, we that could, makes but sense. we can you make know, that can apply to that. us. And sure. I, I say these other courses, like, you're not going to have a burn patient every shift, but knowing what to do when the time comes, hey, you might remember, hey, I took advanced burn as life an support. Example. Uh, yeah, as an example. Or, like, just your, I know, like, maybe you encounter, I don't, you just, I know you don't work bills, but you might have a stroke patient come into your ER. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? I learned something in advanced stroke life support about where I should keep their mean arterial pressure. Yeah. Or, you know, Dan, maybe you run into a complex medical case whenever you're out on the road. And like, hey, advanced medical life support. I don't Cut. have to take that, but I learned something from it. And yeah. It was applicable rather than, oh, ACLS will go and here we and go. I, I think, you know, telling someone that, hey, it's okay if you take, like, why shouldn't nurses get CEUs from something that is geared towards paramedics? Why wouldn't why shouldn't I be allowed to get CEUs from that? Because I, I think that would promote ED, a lot of multidisciplinary yeah. cooperation. Especially no. as an ED nurse, like why shouldn't I know what's happening in the field? You should know. understand should. it. You should know what's and happening in the field, just like we should know what's happening in the exactly. ER and later so, the ICU. And that's a very frustrating point because my the place I work at goes well. You need X amount of stroke CEUs and X amount of trauma CEUs every year, and right. that's all fine and dandy. Except, let's say the number is eight stroke CEUs Mm -hmm. that's a lot of CEUs about one subject and finding varying Mm -hmm. like different classes that aren't the same one every single year about that subject is hard and it makes it stale and it makes it a chore and it makes me not want to learn that's a good point and making something stale for someone and then wondering why they don't want to do it anymore is like this is the problem is you the problem is the people making us take these courses good point. you make it stale and then you wonder why no one wants to do it i think that's a great way to end it i think that's an excellent point and that has implications for everybody at every level emt paramedic rn physician uh physician assistant provide you know mid mid-level provider whatever you want to be uh so that's where we're going to end it up uh it's con ed is definitely a minefield uh, there's some great stuff out there there are some great instructors out there um, but again, some of the things that we talked about here was, you know, you have to have a passion for this. Uh, you should tailor your education to your level of expertise. Um, seek out new opportunities as opposed to the same old stuff over the time because it's comfortable. And if you're an instructor, you have an obligation to master the material before you present it. Um, reading off slides is just not going to do it for your uh, students and it's not going to do it for you um so that's that's kind of where i think we're going to go let's yeah don't read off slides because i'll because next time next course i take and they're reading off slides i'm going to challenge them on a question that's on that slide that's like hey so i know it says that but what do you think of this and and they're not going to know what to say to you i know (laughs) that's the terrible part Careful, you might have Kevin in one of your classes. <laughs> I just want the I want people to be interested and have a conversation about what we're talking about, not just sitting there like a a a, a corpse. Yeah. And that's and that's where I was going to say ragdoll. That's where we get the best educational experiences from. So okay, so that was a good talk. We'd like to hear what you think. Uh, what you know, what works well at your place. Uh, what doesn't work well? What have you learned? What solutions have you brought to the? Uh, to the uh, EMS world uh, to improve Con Ed. And what, and what non-alphabet soup courses do you recommend because you got something out of it? Ooh, I have one real quick. The best course I think I've ever taken was a difficult splinting course because it was the most 
improvisational court like it was just learning how to use your mind and critically think and say hey this person's arm is bent a really weird way and there's no way we're splinting against their body what's a good way to splint it without hurting them further and it was i was just thinking of like i never heard of that now i want to take it i took it years ago Mm. as a emt and it was one of the best courses i've ever taken there you go okay so there you go find it get it. critical thinking thinking outside the box learning something new that you didn't know before or reinforcing stuff you already knew um that's what we're looking for with con ed and uh to the people that are doing it and the organizations that are doing it thank you uh to everybody else you know hey uh there's always room for improvement do better (laughs) do better (laughs) so um Tell us how you feel. Uh, hit us up on the internet, on uh, the, all the social media sites, uh, Overrun Productions at Instagram, uh, Overrun EMS at Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're on all the podcast uh, outlets, but you already knew that. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, Ed says you can talk to Alexa, but Alexa scares me. I'm afraid she's going to summon some kind of... Um, I did it with Google Home. It also works with Google Home. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't know that. I, I don't like talking to things like that. I think it's, you know, Skynet. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> <laughs> Help me clean my house. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right yeah, up Yeah, you live t- here too, robot. Yeah, right, <laughs> up, right up until they take it. So, uh, pretty much today, uh, Talk to you soon. Get home safe.